You're listening to a property podcast from EG. I'm Tim Burke, EG's Deputy Editor. We're talking about the real estate auctions market and its resilience during a difficult period for the UK economy and investment, comparing its fortunes with those of the private treaty market. Over the next half an hour, we'll discuss how activity ebbed and flowed during 2022, the outlook for the finance markets this year, and what's next for the new hybrid nature of the business. To tackle these topics, I was joined over teams by Scott Hendry, Auction Finance Director at Together Money, Max Mason, Head of Sales at 574, and Emily Wood, Capital Markets Director at Lambert Smith Hampton. Enjoy the conversation. Shall we start with a 2022 recap of activity across the, the UK investment market? It felt like It felt like a year of many turning points um, across the last 12 months. And I I appreciate that you're each looking at at deals through uh, a slightly different lens. Um, Scott, I wonder if we could start with your view on uh, how you saw the auctions market fare over the past year with your your financing hat on, as it were. I was going to be starting with to be fair, but I kind of knew what for some strange reason. (laughs) I have no idea why. I mean, it's been interesting, really. Of course it has. You know, I think it's been uh, the first year that's felt borderline normal, if I may say that, you know, based on the, the previous performance of numbers in 2021. You know, I look at the, the transactions that we have transacted um, over that period, and we've enjoyed a record year. Um, so that in itself um, is quite positive. I think generally speaking, you know, across the board, you know, we've, we've seen, certainly over the last three months or so, the catalogs have swollen. You know, there's a number, a good number of vendors out there that are looking to dispose of their assets. And I know there's a number of auctioneers that are reporting bumper catalogs at this moment in time, which is a huge positive in itself for the market. But overall, you know, the numbers, which is probably, it's no surprise if I'm being honest, when you're looking in, uh, to David Sanderman's numbers with Central Information Group, you know, that they are significantly higher than the performances of the previous year. Well, that's probably a little surprise if I'm fair. Uh, Max, how does that tally with um, with what the team at five seven four has has seen? I think I think it tallies for the first half of the year. Um, yeah. I think you know we, yeah, as Scott said, we came out thinking, yeah, this is this is a relatively normal year um, off the back of the the previous two. Um, I think it then started to go a bit skew if in the middle there. Um, you know, we had effectively three prime ministers in one year, and I think there was a a good excuse for people to sit on their hands a little bit um, during the sort of summer months. And then that did seem to carry through. Um, We certainly saw that on the demand side of things, not necessarily. So from a supply perspective, you know, we saw similar numbers of lots in catalogs, increasing numbers of lots in catalogs. Um, But from the demand side, things did start to, to drop off slightly. Um, you know, if you positioned the lot correctly, it was still there to be sold and we were still seeing deals done. But I think there was concerns about the availability of capital, um, you know, from the debt market side of things, rates were going or did go up. And that made things a lot more difficult for, for a lot of investors who, you know, over the last 10 years have been benefiting from inc- well record cheap debt rates. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there was that marked change uh, in how people go about investing in property. And um, I think I think we saw that, but we saw people adjust to it very quickly. And I think that's where the auction market is very good, is you've got 
quite a lot of dynamism because you have to be you, into, to operate in the auction market as a as an auctioneer or as a buyer or as a seller. You have to be relatively dynamic, and that's why I think we've seen it be relatively resilient to some of the macroeconomic changes we saw over the last year. And Emily, if, if we compare those takes on the auction market to uh, what we saw over the year in terms of the private treaty route for sellers, um, where do you see similarities and, and differences in terms of the deal flow that you and colleagues were experiencing? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think Max hit it on the, on the nail there. It was uh, a year of two halves, definitely uh, uh, on the private treaty side of things, where, um, you know, deals, uh, the volume of deals in the first half of the year uh, was a lot busier than than you know, essentially from autumn onwards, where we saw a real drop in not only transaction numbers, but also the the, the sheer scale of the volume and the size of those transactions um, were far more reduced. Um, overall, the year we look back, um, you know, the stats, you know, it's a relatively respectable total in in investment uh, volume of about fifty four point one billion. Um, but the bulk of that was done early on in the year before we started to see a bit more inertia uh, following the political situation, but also the effects of uh, further field, uh, you know, wars in Ukraine and things like that, having an impact on what we were looking at for for, for buyers and sellers and how they were looking at their transactions. In a in a challenging period, um, whether we're talking about you know, an uncertain economic outlook, whether we're talking about all the political upheaval that, that we saw last year. What factors influenced how these two routes perform and where, where might we see them diverge? Are, are the factors that will mean in, you know, in a particular um, period of volatility, the auction route uh, may prove more resilient than, than alternative channels for, for, for sellers? What, what kind of factors will, will influence how the two the two deal types perform or outperform? It's a good question. You might actually to, to, to a point a little earlier. You know, the auction market is incredibly receptive to, to what's going on in the wider market. So much so, you know, our board in particular will set their agendas around what's going on in the auction world. Um, I think with auctions, one thing that we've noticed, and this is this is influencing some of the prices that auctioneers are achieving, doing the wonderful job that they do, is I think you'll find buyers often are paying now for the certainty of the sale around auction. And I'm not going to say moving away from private treaties because the, the private treaties market is absolutely huge. Um, but I think there's a two or three influencing factors. One, of course, I've touched on is the certainty, the guaranteed sale, which is unpaid, the pulling out you know, due to mini budgets and fixed rate or felt like a crisis at the time and so on. Um, but also the fact that, you know, auction now is, is part of everyone's, it's in people's living rooms. You know, it was it entered people's living rooms with the growth of programs like Homes Under Hammer and Great House Giveaway, of course. But now with the bulk of auction, I think it's over 90% of the auction sales are all online. It literally is in people's living rooms or in some cases on people's yachts because they're able to buy absolutely anywhere. So it's become much more mainstream. And, and, and to, to, to go one step further on that point, we've seen a growth in the number of owner-occupiers buying at auction. So this, again, may influence the, the prices that are being achieved. Because I'm not going to say gone the days of people buying with this, but we've seen an increase in the number of people that are buying with the hat. Um, and I think that is that that is a, a certain way of looking against the private treaty market versus auction. That's certainly something that we've seen. I 
am so happy to hear um, the words leave someone apart from myself's mouth that we're now in a online auction dominated sphere mm. um, <laughs> because I've been banging on about this for years. Uh, but there we go. Um, and it's bang on. It is it's so bang on. You know, I'm not. Well, I, I am in a position where I'm going to criticise the old model of auctioneering of selling in a ballroom because I never did that. I've always been an online auctioneer. I've always firmly believed in it. But I did, you know, I worked as a runner in the ballrooms back in the day. And you noticed the same people every time in and out. And <laughs> the point of an auction is for it to be open to everyone. It is for it to maximise value via bidding from the entire market. And I think online auctions has completely opened that up. And I think that has maybe counteracted a, a, a loss in demand from more traditional sources is that we've, you know, by opening up, by bringing more people in, you've opened up property to the more common or first time investor. We saw a massive uptick in first time buyers uh, a few years ago, uh, and it, it's, it's stayed that way ever since. Um, and it's been fantastic to see, you know, it's it's sometimes frustrating because you're having to explain a few quite basic things to people. And sometimes, you know, as an auctioneer, it's actually our job to talk people away from a property. If you think that they're, you know, not really knowing what they're doing and if they haven't done their due diligence, we will try and talk them away from it. Because actually, at the end of the day, we want a diligent buyer and a diligent seller and we want everyone to to agree and have that certainty that I think Tim touched on at the beginning. Um, I think the only other thing that really sort of affects um, the on, being online actually changes the sort of marketplace is the fact that by being online, we're also really able now to track interest, data, metrics, things like that. And we're actually, therefore, really able to advise our clients on what's going on in real time. And I think that's leading to a real uptick in success rates, but also in pre-sales, post-sales, and actually not not everything's selling by auction that goes into an auction now. And that's because we're able to give such large amounts of data to our clients to help them make the right decisions. And I think that's a real distinction between private treaty and auction now, actually, is the use of that data and application of it. Mm. I mean, I do think there is um, always a case for um, the property that you're looking at may require further due diligence that and timings and i think they're the they're the instructions that will always come back to a private treaty format where an instruction you know uh, needs has more complexities with planning uh, or a bidder would need to work up uh, a much more detailed bid for it to go through so i do think there are examples where it's just not suitable and and the seller wouldn't want to sell in that way and wouldn't think it was the best way for them to get value um, but I do think when we are struggling in terms of activity and there's very little activity, I do think, you know, the bulk of transactions, and I think predominantly we see it in the retail market as well, uh, where the seller is looking to sell. Um, and um, I think that's where there's a strong case for auction um, to give them that security, which I think we'll probably see going into this next year as well. Uh, when there is still a little bit of uncertainty as to to where we're going to land with our interest rates. Um, and one other thing is what we struggled with in the last half of the year was a real differentiation between um, a seller's expectations and a buyer's expectations. 
I do think the online platform makes that slightly easier. You know, there's 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 probably uh, it's more transparent as to where the pricing is going, and and I think probably buyers appreciate that. Um, but it's something we certainly struggle with in the last half year uh, in terms of making them see on similar points of view on value. How um, how far apart are those expectations at the moment? And and sort of what's the direction of travel? Because that that whole price discovery process. I mean, in a period like this, can take a can take a long time to settle, can't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably fundamental next year um, that that we've had the readjustment to pricing in certain sectors. Uh, I think probably at the kind of at the peak of it, we're, we were looking around twenty five percent difference in pricing between um, buyer and seller. Obviously, that was on different grades across the different sectors, but that's probably where the extremes on pricing got to last year when, you know, all of us were a bit worried as to to, <laughs> to where to hang our values. Um, but hopefully going forward next year, that's something that we'll, we'll see a little less of a gap between the aspirations. The um, the, the turning point that, that we've touched on um, that was reached with the rise of um, of online auctions, particularly during obviously during the pandemic, um, we're now seeing firms obviously get back into the ballroom. And I, I think even just today, we've had one of the big names confirming that it, it's going to be back um, uh, that it's going to be back in the room from um, from this quarter. But it, it, is there a sense that we don't at any point go back to the old way of doing things. It strikes me as almost a conversation like the future of the office. It, we've we've learned too much from the pandemic to ever think now we just go back to the way that things were done two or three years ago. Is it now a more a more hybrid, to use an overused term, a, approach to to these deals? Max, what are, what are you thinking about that? Uh, I like the way you use the word hybrid. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, look, we we're never going back to board auctions. Uh, I've made that abundantly clear for a number of years uh we're just not doing it uh we you know we started online we we, we were one of the first auctioneers i think maybe even the first commercial property auction sale that was online uh back in 2016 so no we're, we're absolutely never going back and i think from here we're really just trying to see how we can innovate further you know because there was there was one point where we were one of two or three online auctioneers in a world of ballroom auctioneers, suddenly everyone moved online. And I actually thought to myself, oh, well, we're no longer pioneering anything. So uh, what's next? What are we going to do next? And I think it's really interesting just having obviously this conversation about private treaty and auction. One thing Emily and I are doing together, we've done a few of them together and we're doing a few more is what we refer to as an it's an overused word, but hybrid sales. And it is, it's a hybrid between auction and private treaty. And it's because we're online now, because we're not, we don't have those fixed dates of a ballroom, you know, we're not renting a ballroom out in Mayfair. We don't have to fix things. So we can have a marketing period that's much more like a private treaty marketing campaign. And we can just have the auction as a, as a backstop to coin another popular word a few years ago, or as a, or, or, you know, as a, a, a last resort, but we can have a something that's much more in between the two processes. Mm. And uh, we've we've done it a fair few times. We've done it for some some big corporate clients in 2022. And um, in all cases, it's been incredibly successful. And so I do I do think there's still ways we can innovate. Um, 
with online auctions and with private treaty. And, you know, we don't have to stay in the same ruts sort of year after year. And I think by looking for how we can innovate, we are going to, you know, keep pulling in good clients, good lots, and we're going to keep being able to offer a great product to the market. A very good point made there. Um, and I think that's going to be the, well, that is the overarching influence with regards to whether an auction is in the ballroom or online. It's influenced by the vendor, what the vendor wants. And Mark, Mark, Mark Metro makes a great point in the sense that you have a ballroom sale. You know, a client, for example, is coming on with potentially 10 instructions. I've got an auction in six weeks, but that client wants them away in three weeks. Well, if your ballroom auction is in six weeks' time, it's not a great deal you can do. But there may be an auctioneer down the road that can accommodate that. With the growth, um, the growth, what's grown now with the auction market, the, the online market, is an auctioneer can put that lot up for sale at any time. You know, I recall a conversation going back pre-pandemic from an auction, a leading auctioneer that, that said to me, Scott, I will never, never have an online auction. Let me tell you, before the pandemic, this, this auctioneer, when he went to his office, said, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. X. He's going to be our head of online auctions. I sat there thinking, unbelievable. And that was pre-pandemic. Interesting, official. There was one leading UK auctioneer that did go back to the room for one sale. Um, they quickly changed. And because 95% of their sales, despite there being several hundred people in the room, was sold online. Um, but I'm a big advocate. In that. You know, I love a ballroom auction. I like to talk. I love the networking opportunity. Um, but does it potentially, in my view, drive a higher price for the client? I don't think so, if I'm really being honest. Okay. You know, auction, but online is definitely here to stay. The talk of online was here way before COVID, again, as Max has alluded to. You know, I was sit down in, in auctioneers' offices for, for some years prior. And on, on the left-hand side or right-hand side of the auctioneer's shoulder was a whiteboard. And it always had online auctions with a question mark written next to it. The pandemic just accelerated the growth of yeah. what was going to be inevitable anyway. Scott, you, you mentioned the... Um the term used was swollen catalogues that we're seeing at the moment and just the level of the level of supply that's coming through is it possible to typify what um what kind of sellers and what kind of assets are, are, are driving that at the moment if we if we think about trends that we might see in, in where the supply is coming from it is a bulk you know and, and there's a number of sort of reasons behind it what's what's driving sales you know some uncertain types it's a focus on a negative mm. uh, and, and some those just looking to diversify you know some vendors looking to diversify what their portfolios look like you know we are seeing strong performance in producing assets as an example commercial you know there's a slight shift and i say slight shift um away from the you know the good old-fashioned uh two up two down auction doer uppers um income producing assets multi-let commercial and so on, are those that seem to be performing relatively well at the moment. Um, of the last few months in particular, I found. Um, how, is the, how is the cost of financing shaping activity across both auctions and, and private private treaty? Emily, I wonder if you could just sort of comment on um, you know what 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 uh, the the changing costs of of debt, for example, mean for levels of activity and um, it, and I, I and I guess going back to that price discovery question, the the values. Yeah, I mean it, it obviously has an impact. Um, you know, the the rising cost of debt enables you know less profit back, and and, it, and it's not you know it reduces the values that we're looking at. I think. Um, in terms of um, wh where we see cost of debt um, next year, 
I think it will be quite positive for the, the private treaty market. I think it forces the decision about refinancing. Um, therefore, I think it will, it will bring a lot of activity to the market um, at, at a glance of people looking to, to um, condense their portfolios or, or, or reconfigure what they have in their portfolios. I think that pressure on debt will actually bring a little bit of, of activity to next year. Um, which is a positive way of looking at it. Um, but I think it will also, I mean, in terms of uh, the market that I mainly work in, I'm based in the Northeast, uh, and the tr transaction sizes, just by, you know, the ilk of property that we're dealing with, are smaller. And I think last year, what we saw across across the country was that we weren't seeing huge volume sizes. Um, now, activity in the lower levels um kind of sub 20 million market was actually reasonably resilient through through last year uh, and that's predominantly because there wasn't as much debt prevailing over that sector um so i, I think we'll see this continued uh, um lack of larger assets transacting and that's probably where we might have an effect in the cost of debt there but Look, going forward, there's a little bit more stability, and, and hopefully that means um, that the repricing, the debt costs won't be as restrictive on the activity. And Scott, in terms of the, the auction financing availability, what's your take on the state of the market? You look back to sort of performance of last year, and again, going back to a point you know, where it was around halfway, if not three quarters of the way through the year. Post mini budget, you know, there was something like three and a half thousand fixed rate products taken from the market in a 24 hour period, literally withdrawn. And that had a you know, huge, maybe, you know, dramatic, that had an impact on the actual market itself, specifically in the private treaty market. My next door neighbor, if I may digress speaking personally, sold their property for a wonderful price. Well, so they thought until the fixed rates uh, disappeared. I know they are sadly about to accept for £50,000 less for their house since there's been a change. So it's certainly been a shift and certainly been an impact. That said, I do find things are starting to calm now. You know, we've seen a number of lenders, including ourselves, return to the fixed rate market. Um, and that's had a positive impact. Although, be it the fixed rates currently do sit at a higher level, although there's some expectation for them to, to fall based on the based on the, what's happening in, in the overarching market. I think potentially fixed rates will fall slightly below very variable rates at some stage. Um, that's certainly going to happen. But uh, there was definitely some uh, some cause for concern around that uh, around that time and three quarters away through the year. Indeed, Scott's going to know what's going to happen there. Um, we're all here to just speculate, um, but it's it's been an interesting. I think what Emily said about there being a, a point where people had to make a decision on refinancing that led to a, a significant uptick inquiries for auctioneers and particularly ourselves anyway because there was a point where people were looking at refinancing and that the events that i sometimes refer to as sort of false insolvencies almost where someone is looking for debt the debt market's dried up they can't find the debt they know they're in trouble and an auction offers them a quick out and there was certainly a fair few parties looking at that at the end of last year we have not seen that translate through really to the beginning of this year. Um, so I think I think there has been an increase in availability of debt and that's actually helped some people out quite a difficult situation. That sounds like a corner's been turned then in, 
to, to, at least to some extent. Yeah, it, it feels that way. It feels that, you know, we're not saying that, that you know, rates are going to start dropping dramatically. They're not, obviously. And I think it is still, a, it's a difficult decision, but I think it's one that people can now tolerate rather than, uh, you know, not not be able to manage at all. Yeah. And I, and well, I do, and I do sorry. think because, sorry, I do think because we've had such a, a significant period of low, low interest rates and, and cheap debt, I do think certainly, you know, speaking with with clients that we work with at the beginning of the year, there definitely was a shift in in clients looking to to reconfigure their portfolios to best better that debt. So I think there was still a, the better half of the year there was definitely some movement where people were thinking about hang on right let's reduce the debt that we have. Um, so I, I think there'll be still much of a focus and a, and a regard to that going into twenty three. Well, look, Max said we have to speculate here, and we started with a recap of um, of last year. So let's let's maybe wrap up with a, a bit of crystal ball gazing for the year ahead. It would be great just to have a brief a brief thought from each of you on um, maybe your expectations for this year, your hopes, your fears. What are you going to be watching that you think will um, will most significantly affect deal flow? What is what is front of mind for you in in twenty three? Um, Max, can I put you on the spot and, and ask you to, to kick us off? Give, give me the least thinking time. Great. Um, <laughs> I think I think on a you know on a general level, there's going to be a lot of focus on the industrial market, that being the the golden child of the sort of property industry for the last number of years. Um, I'm not going to focus on it at all um, because it's it's not really my bag. It's not what you know typically goes into an auction at the moment. Um, I think. Personally, we're going to focus on an increase in our hybrid sales in that sort of trying to innovate between private treaty and auction. Um, you know, we, we think we've got a great product that we can sort of grow here. Um, I think we're going to see we are going to see an increase in insolvency sales via receivers and administrators. Um, and I think it is going to be it's going to be a tough year um, sort of across the board. I think generally speaking, we will come out of it a bit stronger. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of learning to be done, um, but yeah, I think I think we're going to see solid results for the auction market throughout the year. Um, I don't necessarily think we're going to grow or shrink. Um, I think we're going to just solidly get through it and then uh, try and kick on towards the end of the year and into 2024. Prove the resilience, right? Exactly right. Mm. Emily, your thoughts? Um, well, I think I'll start with hopefuls. Um, <laughs> I'm hopeful that we will um, start to see a little bit more activity as we go into 2023, um, and that's off the back of a little bit more stability on the on the financial sides and the political uh, scheme, certainly here in the UK. Um, as as Max said, I, I don't think we're going to be any kind of record-breaking number of transactions this year. I think it will still be relatively steady. Um, that increased debt, I think, will mean that our, our our volume of investment will not quite be as high as perhaps previous years. Um, things that you know we enjoy a busy, we enjoy an active market, and things that keep our market going are are things like a little bit more distressed assets. We've been holding off for a couple of years and not having that distress. I think a little bit of distress into the market will prove. Um, useful for activity. 
Uh, I think things to watch is very much in the office market as we look at um, offices that are really having to focus on um, obsolete and environmental impacts um, and how we see occupier demand as we continue on with a little bit of um, financial stress in the UK. So I think once to watch our offices, repositioning and pricing there, I think that will, will bring forward a little bit more activity. And Scott, um, Emily and Max have left you very little um, to touch on that hasn't been, been spoken about, but give it your best shot. Good, everything they said. That's the top that. I just saw the wind from his boot underneath the table, although that was going to be my initial response. I think I think auctions, you know, in general, um, perform well in both, you know, hard and soft markets. Um, however, soft markets, I think, particularly where, you know, when auction comes into their own. I think looking at the, 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 this next 12 months ahead of us, and oh boy, how many times have we all asked each other that question or asked ourselves that question? over the course of the last few weeks. I think it spoiled my new year. Um, but I, I'm, I'm someone who tries to look at things quite, quite positively. You know, looking ahead, there's definitely be caution, most certainly. And that's that's fueled by, you know, what goes on with regards to overall economic events, political events that we've seen and endured, and then, I was going to say enjoyed then over the last year, um, as well as things like, you know, reporting uh, and the media and so on. But I think, you know, we, we are going to see over the course of the year prices to return to pre-pandemic levels. I think we're going to enjoy some some stability, you know, as Emily and certainly Max uh, 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 touched on there. You know, is it going to be a year of growth? No. But I think a year of stability would be, you know, certainly a positive that we can take from this year. And I genuinely feel, call me someone that's overly optimistic, I think that's something that we're going to see over the course of the next, what's now, 11 and a bit months. An optimistic note on which to end the conversation. Thank you to our guests for joining us and thank you for listening. For more auctions coverage and all of EG's news, analysis and data, you can head to egi.co.uk forward slash news. Music.